Kier Sheree. And I'm Raya. And welcome to Yes Black Girl. We back. So like booty Yes, crap. we back up in here. Oh my God. It's been so long. It's been like a whole month with an F. Longest month ever. ever. Yeah, it was. But we were just, you know, getting some stuff together for you guys. Excuse me, I'm sucking on this throat lozenge because, you know, I'm getting over a cold. But um, it's good to be here and to, um, I don't even know. <laughs> I know, it's been so long. I'm, I'm feeling it's like I gotta get back up in here, right? Yeah, I'm but you look good. Thanks. Trying to get back into How the swing of things. Um, I've been good. I've been just dancing everywhere. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just did two performances. So the first one was in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Baltimore Black Choreographers Festival, and then the second yes. one was at Dance Place. It was uh, called Let Them Move You. This is a formation. So we were mm-hmm. doing like. J set movement from uh, the prancing J sets from Mississippi, Jackson State okay. University. Um, so yeah, we was doing all this and, yes. and bucking and stuff. So it was fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just been living. That's beautiful. Working. I'm here for that. Mm. What about you? You know what's crazy? I've been good. Um, literally just been working um, and, you know, doing stuff for YBG, of course. Um, Literally just got over this crazy Halloween weekend, which was so much fun. You know, it's one of my favorite holidays. So I'm going to miss October until next year. But what's crazy is recently I was listening to um, the OK Now Listen podcast. And, you know, they recently had a conversation around classic Black films. And when they were talking about the films that they never saw, it was making me think about when your ass had never seen um, Juice when we were still in college. Have you seen it since then? Uh, you know, the still, yes. And I don't like it. I don't and like you don't it. even like the movie. What is no. this? I don't but, know. Um, it I literally made I, me think of you immediately. I thought I was going to like it. I, I don't. I saw it another time. Maybe... Mm-hmm. A year and a half ago, with my coworker, still didn't like it because that was no his favorite favor. movie. Yeah, that was his yeah. favorite movie, and he was like, "Oh, you gotta see it. It's real good." And I was like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no." Juice is definitely one of those movies that you either love or you don't. Um, but all right, we're gonna go ahead and get into our guest. So. Today, we have Tommy, who is a non-binary queer Black writer and educator and learner. They hold a BA in business management from Washington College, as well as an MA from the American University in Sociology of Research and Practice. In June of 2020, they launched I3, which is intersectional, intergenerational, and intentional. I3 works to foster understanding of the experiences of the of and systems that be sent to the LGBTQ community by engaging in the workplace. Tommy also is a coordinator for the movement of Black Lives and is one out of the six hosts for Table Manners podcast. So let's give a warm welcome to Tommy. Uh, hi y'all. 
Oh my goodness. I'm doing really good. Um, can't complain. Um, wow, that's the first time I've ever heard someone introduce me. So thank you for wow. being my first. Wow. Like, love it, love it. Um, but yeah, I'm doing good. How are y'all? I'm good. Okay. We live in yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, same. I'm good. A little, a little tired just from the last month yeah october mm-hmm. was a lot it, it was yeah. it was good but it's always a busy month and it, it was my birthday yeah. so oh happy belated thanks <laughs> so what's, what's your sign libra nice okay and you, you're a pisces That's why she right? got a rest i am <laughs> okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the top of the year mm-hmm. all right so we're trying something new today just to, you okay. know, get us all warmed up for the real questions. So we're <laughs> going to do a this or that. Ray, you want to alternate the this or that mm-hmm. questions? Yeah. Okay. So, Tommy, mm-hmm. New York or D.C.? <clears throat> D.C. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I mean, I'll get into it a little bit later. Like, I can okay. tell you all the full story. But, like, I love New York for the community. But for my mm-hmm. sanity, D.C. <laughs> I feel that. That makes sense. Yeah. So next one, books or TV? Books? Yeah, I feel like I don't really watch TV. I literally watch Bob's Burger on repeat for white noise (laughs) in the background. Like, it's it's, it's wild. Um, So books, but when I have time. Okay, what you be reading? So I read a lot of books about like abolition, about um, just like being black and stuff like that, being queer, <laughs> you know, yeah. shit like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's what I've been reading lately. Well, I haven't been reading much lately because I've just been working, y'all. And yeah. I miss having downtime to read, but vacation is on the horizon. So I will okay. be, I'm ordering like a whole bunch of, book, a whole bunch of books to, to take with me. That's beautiful. Okay, so childhood or adulthood? Neither. <laughs> Zero out of ten would not okay. recommend. Neither. Okay. About like, <laughs> right. Like adulthood is trash. Like mm-hmm. I, so much responsibility. Like it's not what you thought it would be when you were a child. Where you're like, oh, I could just like know. eat junk food when I want, and like life is just so grand. Like no, it's just. It's a lot. It's and childhood was just like, you couldn't do nothing. You, you had no autonomy. And like, that was trash. Because I had my own thoughts and opinions. But adults was like, do as I say, <laughs> not as I do. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, don't Got get me it. started. Cause I hate that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not, not I mean to trigger y'all. My bad. My bad. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not triggered. I'm just yeah. Um, next one, Beyonce or Rihanna? I know this one is always controversial. I have to say Beyonce, but not because of her music, but because she's a fellow Virgo, and that is the only reason. <laughs> okay, that's a good. I'm reason. not a and. I don't want no Beyonce stands getting on me. I like Beyonce. Mm-hmm. She's wonderful, yeah. okay? Because you know they be coming for you like that. And like, you I didn't do. even say nothing. You ready to sting. 
But that's mm-hmm. actually a really, really good reason. Because it's like, y'all are the same. The the work ethic, the things that burgers be doing, the seriousness that goes into they, they shit. Mm-hmm. That's y'all. So I feel that. Okay, so tight braids or perm scabs? Tight braids. <laughs> braids. I, I still think I got a perm scab in the back of my head <laughs> from back in the day. And that... At least with the braids, like, you know, you put some little aloe vera or something on it, it'll heal up. Mm-hmm. Them, mm-hmm. them burns. Scabs, they be mm-hmm. in there. Okay. They ain't going nowhere. You got one thing in here for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. when you be trying to comb it in the back and you just feel that little. Oh. Uh, you try to pick it. Mm-hmm. It's not cute. Oh. Yeah. Not- <laughs> so, next one summer or fall? Fall. I hate the heat. It's not, it's not. It's not giving. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. I love summer. I love both. And but fall. Spring and fall, but spring and them allergies. Yeah. That's true. But fall has the best photo shoots. Like all the trees change colors. Yes. You really be like, okay, you know. So okay. that's why I like In it. In the fall fashion. The yes. The layering, like cold? all that, okay. right? That's where it's at. Yeah, I'm the complete opposite. I like summer because I don't have to wear clothes, and the days are longer, <laughs> and it's hot. Like I don't like the humidity, but I prefer the heat, and my mm-hmm. body feels better in it because I be sore, and you know, yeah, that whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, summer was definitely made for the black people, but it is hot as hell. Hot as hell, and dripping. I do not like the sweat. Especially yeah, that's my sweat. Okay, just living a life in here, so like right. You haven't had white like Let me get this here. <laughs> Give it a little white, okay. real quick. You know, like damn. Okay, um, Thanksgiving food or cookout food? Thanksgiving food. Thanksgiving food, you know who cooked it. You always know it's going to smack because everybody got their thing that they supposed to bring. Cookout mm-hmm. food, I'm thinking about COVID. I'm thinking about germs. Everybody can't make potato salad. Like, it's just too many rooms for error. What a yeah. cookout. I feel that. And I'd be hungry. I'd like, like me a good burger, though. But you're right. Thanksgiving is where it's at. Mm-hmm. And the desserts. The desserts be everything. Popping. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, BET movies or Hallmark Hallmark holiday movies? <laughs> okay, both um, not my type. But mm-hmm. if I had to say anything, I would say Hallmark movies because they're so predictable. I mean, so is the BET movies. But like uh, Hallmark, I just like you already you already know that the person's going to win like their love interest is going to be good everything is going to just be it's going to work out and so i like to think that everything works out so i'm going with hallmark <laughs> last question canada dry or sweats oh canada dry 100% i'm a, i'm a, like i don't even like soda but mm-hmm. it's something about a canada dry that like it burns my chest and i just feel like <laughs> oh, yes like McDonald's sprite no, it don't hit like that. Canada Dry hit, and it's in its own category. Schweppes is weak. That it be flat more often than Canada Dry. So. Okay, now I will agree with that. If you depend on what store you get it from, it definitely will go flat a lot sooner. 
but they both be getting the job done for me. If I need something real, real quick, I'm gonna go ahead and grab me a, you know, a Schweppes. But mm-hmm. Canada Dry be, you know, it be doing its thing. Not you writing, can y'all see me? <laughs> <laughs> that was when I was in, in the Tucker. I was like, y'all over here short about in here. <laughs> yes, okay. I want to know if y'all can see me. All right, so let's get into the real questions. All right. <laughs> So, first question, let's get to it. <laughs> so, if there are any, what mediums do you use to tell your stories about your organization and the people you work with? Yeah, thank you. Great question. So, first, I just want to, like, say I do a lot. So, I, like, run I3. Like, I'm doing the social media. I'm doing the consulting calls. I'm like creating the workshops and everything. Um, then I have my full-time job. I have a family. So when we talk about like telling stories, I always look for the people who are already telling the stories. And so like Hope Giselle was a story I just posted about, uh, about the Dave Chappelle things. And she was talking about her experience mm-hmm. as a black trans woman. And so I shared that on my LinkedIn because those are still the, those are the stories and it's not necessarily coming from like my mouth, but those are still the stories that are part of my organization and what we stand on. And so I use social media a lot, even though it's not always my favorite, <laughs> you have to like really keep up with it. Um, but yeah, I really, I really focus on the stories that are out there and uplifting and, and posting those. Um, but also sharing my own experiences as a black queer person. Um, mm-hmm. But I use like LinkedIn, Instagram, website. I'm always talking about I3 to people. Um, I use my website to showcase like my work and what people are saying about my work. So those are like the forms in which I like share about my organization and like the work that I do with people. <clears throat> um, was there a light bulb moment <clears throat> where you realized that I3 was something that the world needed or did you always know that the work was necessary? Yeah. Okay. So for this, I have to tell y'all a long ass story. So I'm going to try to keep it brief. Okay. Um, so um, as you know, well, Kira, you know this, that I was living in New York for a bit. And when I was in New York, zero out of 10, trash, <laughs> all day, every day. So I moved there. <laughs> yeah, I had like, mo- like little sprinkles of good times, yeah. but like overall, that was a, a terrible experience for me. I had... Um, mm-hmm. I had moved there to be with a partner and um, that ended up not being my partner now. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we, um, I had a job lined up when I got there. I ended up working there for three months. And then in the third month, um, the person who I was working for was like, oh, can one of y'all forgo your paychecks? And was like, what are you talking about? Forgo what? We got bills to pay. It's New York. It's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... She, we had a all had a group call about five employees, her, her mentor, and her lawyer. And basically, after that call, within thirty minutes, she cut us out of the email and she fired us. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "What the heck? I just got fired today." So I'm like, mm-hmm. "I don't know how I'm gonna pay my rent." And I had only been living in in New York maybe four or five months at the moment, and so I couldn't mm-hmm. collect unemployment or anything like that at the time. And so I just was out of work for three months and really depending on my savings. And then um, I started to work for an organization that does LGBTQ work. Like that was the center. And the job before I was doing like a bit and pieces of LGBTQ work, but not in the same volume that I was doing now 
at this new job. And so again, worked there for three months and then three months later I got fired. And I was like, what the f is going on? Is it me? Am I the drama? And so I was like so confused um, and feeling like super defeated, but like being in New York really helped me to like solidify my passion for LGBTQ work. And I also, during that time, I had started a project called Side Effects of Intersectionality because mm -hmm. um, just like ever since college, intersectionality, that term, that framework has really stuck with me. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna try to tell these stories about these people who have like these intersecting identities and talk about how like the systems have failed them and let them fall through the cracks because they only silo in their identities. So I had this grand idea, but then I'm like, I can't keep getting fired. I can't fund my idea <laughs> right now. Yes. And then, so like, I started to get really like sad and like, I couldn't really do much. And so I stayed mm -hmm. in New York a little while longer after that, but I ended up leaving and coming back to the DMV. And so when I got back to the DMV, I had nowhere to go. Like my mom lives here, but my mom does in-home healthcare. So she was staying with the people who care for her, who she cared for. Um, my sister got a whole family. She had a room at her place. And so I ended up staying with my sister's dad and so grateful for him. But like, it was like two years of just crap. Yeah. And so it was like, not a light bulb moment, but a light bulb series of like, I can do this work. This is the work that I care about. I need mm -hmm. to stop depending on these institutions who see me as disposable when I'm not. I have so much to bring to this world. And so that's mm -hmm. when I was like, after coming back to DC, I got my stuff together. I got another job. I moved into uh, another place um, where I had my own space. And I was like, okay, I was working for this job. And I was like, okay, I'm back on my feet. I got some savings down. And then I was like, okay, I'm quitting this job to to launch my business. And so that's what I did. Yes. And so it wasn't like this moment. It was like I had been working on this thing because the universe kept telling me this ain't it. And right. so, um, yeah, I say all that to say, like, it was just a whole bunch of crap. And it was Ooh. like not this fun moment. It was a whole bunch of stuff that made me realize, like, this is something that I need to do not only for the people who I like my community, but also for myself. Um, and right. so I saw it as an opportunity, like I three as the opportunity to treat workers how I want them to be treated, take mm -hmm. into other organizations how you should treat your non-binary black queer workers and like often having all of those experiences um, and which really like helped me to launch I three to what it is today and hopefully it continues to grow. Um, but yeah, I hope that, that answered the question. It definitely did. And I okay. remember that whole time period. I remember when you were starting that other project and um, you know, you were you definitely went through a lot of changes and it was definitely a process, but it's beautiful to see you coming out on the other side and starting this. This is great. And I can okay. see the light in you, like you and you're right, this is what you do. So it's amazing that you are able to do that and step into your purpose in that way. And the universe will mm -hmm. shut shit down. They'll be like, yes, that ain't what you're supposed to be doing, girl. Right? <laughs> yes. And you just, and you keep going. You be like, all right, I hear you, universe, but I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's okay. why you sitting there looking dumb. And okay. I was sitting there looking dumb. I'm trying to tell y'all, yeah. like, it just was obstacle after obstacle, like roadblock after roadblock. And I was like, Bro, I, I know I've done crappy things in this world, but this is all my karma. I deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my karma was this bad. And so, like, 
yeah, it really had the, I had to really get in alignment and really like listen mm-hmm. to my intuition in mm-hmm. ways that I haven't before. And that was, mm-hmm. that was hard. So definitely leaving a, a job to, to launch a business in a pandemic. I was like, mm-hmm. girl, what you thinking? But yeah, something out on faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you so. have to. Yes. Sorry, I was grabbing a little bit of juice. That was a great answer. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. nice yeah. and full. <laughs> but so, that's now y'all see why I don't like New York like that. It's just it's just it's just so much trauma there for me. I'm like, oh yeah. I, I have flashbacks know. every time I step in there. <laughs> flashbacks. <laughs> oh, I understand. So what is one challenge when it comes to working intergenerationally with I three? Yeah, so I think not necessarily with I three, but I think a general thing that comes out when working intergenerationally is people are obsessed with being right. People are obsessed with sharing their one experience and wanting you to accept that as the only truth that exists. And so a lot of times when I'm bringing generations together and having conversation, it's it's the it's just like oppression Olympics of like I when I was growing up it was this and I struggled and I did this and then the other person was like well I still struggled and I did this and all this stuff and it's like nobody's listening to each other everyone just everyone is just like talking at each other and so how can I as a facilitator of conversations be like hey y'all we all didn't struggle mm-hmm. and like there are certain things in society that have shifted that have made the struggle easier or harder in some ways. But the common denominator here is that there has been a struggle for LGBTQ liberation, Black LGBTQ liberation. That is the common thread that brings us together. Instead of focusing on the things that separate us and pitting ourselves against each other, how can we come together and build something? So that's what I see as like the biggest thing. But when I think of like the work that I3 does, we we bring those stories into the workshops that we do, but we also are working across generations when we go into an institution or organization. And so helping people dispel their judgments that they have based on their generations is also a part of our work, um, which is not easy. And I'm I'm not in the, the role of like changing people's minds, but I am in the role of like exposing them to as much information as possible um, so that they can make informed decisions. So, yeah. Right. Which is really the best that we all can do. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, the information is right here. So you either can take it in and learn something and change your ways or, you know, just give us the respect. Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking your opinion is a fact. Yes, exactly. Yes, it's hard trying to reteach yes. these these um other generations though. They really be sticking to they. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to teach our generation too. You know, it like is. every generation is yeah. stuck in their ways. It's yes. like this is what it is. These are our things that we had to go through, and this is what we're focusing on. But it's like if we look across generations, the struggle, the overall struggle, is not different. It's it's the same struggle. Mm-hmm. We're still struggling with racism. Yeah. We're still struggling with homophobia. The struggle itself is mm-hmm. not different, but the means in which people want to get over those struggles are different. And so, like, instead of people thinking, okay, this way is the right way to do it, why can't we have a conversation and try all these different ways? Because at the end of the day, ain't none of these ways working for real, for real. Right. <laughs> we want to okay. get technical. Ain't none okay, of them right. working. And so, <laughs> we, still we, need to try, we still here. So we need to try okay. every single thing that we have in our 
and our little toolkit and um, be okay with it not working out. Yeah, being okay with it not working out the way that we want and just going back to the drawing board. It's not like, and not like ostracizing or talking down to people because their ideas didn't work, you know? Right, yeah, 100%. What is the best thing about working with different organizations and guiding them on inclusivity in the workplace? I think the best thing is when people are like, oh, oh, I really like what you said there. That really stuck with me. Like, that makes me feel good. Um, and just expose, like I was saying before, like exposing people to new to new information that they never have encountered before um, and just helping them get to their, like, helping them on their journey because I may not be the end all be all of like, okay, this is click for me. I get it especially when it comes to like talking about gender and sexuality, but, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, but like going back to that exposure piece, exposing them to as much things as possible so that later on when it's a little bit closer to home and their like grandchild or their brother or sister comes out as X, Y, and Z, they'll be like, oh, I remember that training I had with I3 and I'm going to yeah. do things a little differently than I would have without that training. And so I think... Um, those are the things I hold on to, um, and people just having like light bulb moments. I love to see it. Um, and also policy change, cause that is important. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> what inequalities have you experienced as a non-binary person in the workplace? And did any of those experiences inspire you to create I3? Um, I think from my perspective, yes, of course. Um, and as I was sharing before, in those different experiences at those different institutions, I think that um, being non-binary and being Black played a role in me, long, me no longer being there. Um, because I think when people think about queer people or think about Black people, they see us as disposable and like easy to, to um, replace. And we're in no ways that. So, um, that so yeah so that definitely inspired me to be like what can i do differently what well not necessarily what i can do differently but what can i share with people about how not to treat um and tokenize and use non-binary black folks disabled folks as a way to um to reach their own institutional goals, but as a way to actually be inclusive and to be equitable and to like create space in a meaningful and sustainable way um, mm -hmm. that many organizations aren't doing. Um, so yeah, I would say that. So tell us about your work for the movement of Black Lives and explain how this organization is different from Black Lives Matter. Yeah, so I will first share how they're similar. So Movement for Black Lives and Black Lives Matter, I um, their work is really centered around Black liberation in all forms of what liberation could look like. Um, when I think of Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter is made up of networks or coalitions of organizers and people on the ground. And so you could have a Black Lives Matter DC, you could have a Black Lives Matter New York, but you wouldn't have a movement for Black Lives DC yeah. or New York. So that's mm -hmm. that's like the biggest way that is is different. Um, <clears throat> the movement for Black Lives is also a organization. So, oh, I'm sorry about my dog in the background, but it's also an organization, and 
um, we support other organizations similar to Black Lives Matter and sometimes Black Lives Matter with things such as for my team specifically as a communications coordinator for like communication strategies, rather that be digital design, um, narrative, power building and things like that. And so I think that's how they're, they are different. And mm-hmm. my role specifically, I'm the communications and mass engagement coordinator. So it's really different to be in that role in compared to my role at I3 because um, at M4BL, I am like the support person. I'm like the admin person. So I'm making sure like all the ducks are in a row. I'm making sure that we are we getting people paid and we're getting people the support that they need. Um, so that's like the kind of role that I'm taking in that where as with I3, I'm that and I'm like the, I have to make these decisions that are like, strategic and not mm-hmm. just rooted in like I want to get paid you know it's like they have to be rooted in like are do these people I'm working with align with what I'm trying to do long term align with the missions and values of I3 um and I'm also doing the admin stuff <laughs> so um you got a lot on your plate yeah right yeah I, I does a lot you know but it's okay yes. because I always tell myself that um I'm not doing this just for myself and mm-hmm. I'm doing this for, for my community. I'm doing this for my future generation. If I decide to, you know, have kids or not. Um, but it's, it's greater than me. And one day I'm saying, okay. speaking it out loud, manifestation, <laughs> honey. Okay. One day I'm going to be sitting, I'm be sitting in my office, my, at my at home office with my yeah. six to seven employees running the business for me and I'm just sitting back collecting my check. Okay. That yes. is the goal. And so okay. um I'm working really hard now because I I see the end and, and it's not like a 10, 20 years. It's like a five to eight years where I'm not working this hard, where mm-hmm. my where things are working for me and I'm just able to sit back and and enjoy the labor that I put in, the intense, radical labor that I put in. So, yeah. Absolutely. I love that for you. And listen, the manifestation, that shit is right. It's, so. it's powerful, y'all. It is powerful. It, write it yes. and it yes. will come into position. Mm-hmm. And forget it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what works for me. Mm-hmm. So, what does community mean to you? Um, I feel like that's such a broad question, <laughs> but, um, but I think, you know, for me, community is about who am I accountable to that? Those, that's, those are some things that come up for me. Like, who am I accountable to? Who am I here to support? Who am I here to love on? Um, check in on, you know, tell about themselves sometimes. So community is more of like these, when I think of community, I think of like these action things and supports that I can provide. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's always shifting and changing for me because going in with like intersectionality, like I'm not just a black queer person, I'm so much more. And I have sub communities, I have bigger communities that I'm part of. So it's just like community to me is just, being able to be authentic in who I am and share that with the people around me, um, I think would be my general answer. But it's like community 
that one word just means so much for so many different people. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I like that I community as an action. Yeah, that was that was a word, child. You might need to write that down. Y'all crack me up. Write it down. Community <laughs> action. Okay. Period. It's holding yes. people accountable. No, for sure. No, definitely. And honestly, we need more of that because it's clearly. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. Really I mean, and it's hard to hold people accountable, you know, mm -hmm. because that also makes you be introspective. I think that's the word, like, or reflective about the things that you do. Because mm -hmm. sometimes we be trying to check other people, but you need to check, check ourselves. ourselves. Okay. You mean check, you're trying to tell somebody else how to do something, but you're sitting there doing the same thing. Yeah, so it's like yes. it's it's a it's a relationship, and you can't hold people accountable who you don't have relationships with. It's yeah. from my perspective, and so mm -hmm. when I'm holding you accountable, it's not like it's not rooted in like consequence or things mm -hmm. like that or punishment. It's rooted in like I'm seeing something, it's impacting me this way, and let's mm -hmm. have a conversation about it. Like, where is it coming yes. from? Um, but also knowing that sometimes those conversations are not going to go the way that you want them to go. And people are going to do what the hell they want to do. That's and nice. you making the decision if you want them to be a part of your community. And that's not wish wishing them wrong or wanting bad things to happen to them. But it's like, yeah. in this community, we have a certain set of values and things that we care about. And if you aren't going to... Um, be restorative in your practices, then we can't really be in community deeply in the ways that I want us to because you're going to end up hurting right. me and not yes. caring, you know? Mm -hmm. no, so. That's facts. Definitely. I love it's how gently you put it because a lot of people think that accountability is like, you shouldn't do this and that you like yelling at them and mm -hmm. trying to punish them. But it's not that I'm telling you because I care about you. And mm -hmm. I know sometimes my tone can be very direct. So people are not used to that. Mm -hmm. And I don't have time to, to lollygag or sugarcoat anything because why would Straight I do to that? Point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's nothing wrong with that. I think people, not to switch, like, switch topics, but like people are really, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's our generation or the generation a little bit after us or before us, but People be sensitive and I get it. You know, yes. you're allowed to be sensitive. You're allowed to be sensitive, but <laughs> I'm still going to tell you what it needs, what needs to be said out loud. Right. And I also have to check myself when I'm being like, I think it's a slippery line of being direct and being just like reckless. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes I know my directness goes to recklessness. And so I'll be having to be like, I didn't have to say it like that. I didn't have to say, I, my, my bad, my bad. That's wrong. That's <laughs> wrong. But sometimes I'll be like, you might need it the reckless way as mm -hmm. well. So you have to know your people because yeah. all that, hey, I'm noticing, don't work for everybody. Mm -mm. It's like, shorty, you wilding. People What's need the buttons. Right. Somebody, some, <laughs> yep. some people like to be cussed out. Yeah. Not me though. Don't curse yeah. me out because I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> wanna fight. I'm gonna wanna fight. <laughs> okay. Mm. No, but you know, that's facts. Okay, so what does queer allyship look like for you in today's social media hashtag driven world? Yeah, I love this question. And so I think 
in I3, we talk about allyship. Um, and my goal is to switch to co-conspiratorship because I think those are two different things. And I'm gonna relate it to like robbing a bank so, because that's the image that comes to my mind. So if he robbing a bank, the ally is gonna be like, I got you, I'm gonna get these supplies for you, but I'm going to stay at home on my couch. Mm. Where a co-conspirator is like, okay, I got the supplies for you. I got my mask. I got my my weapons. Let's go. What time are we going? Yes. You know, they going in with you. They putting themselves at the same risk as you. Mm-hmm. Where ally is not going to take on all those risks because no. they opt in and they opt out. Yeah. And so that is a difference for, for me. And I think when we talk about allyship in this this modern world where we have people use hashtags and they turn their screen black. They're doing what they're supposed to do because that's allyship. Mm-hmm. They don't require you it's to do the really much. They don't require you to do much of nothing. But right. for the people who are co-conspirators and who see themselves mm-hmm. as that, they're not. They may do that, but they are doing way much, so much more. They're putting money in. They are showing up. They're using their bodies as protection. Um, mm-hmm. Just like a whole plethora of things that they can be doing. Whereas allies are only ever going to do the bare minimum. Yeah. So I think, yeah, so I think that that sits for for the people who use hashtags. Yep, you are nothing but an ally. And that's okay, but we want to get you up in here. It in all shades. We want to get you up here, okay? Yes. I, I want more co-conspirators than I want allies because yeah. I could change my own screen. I can make my own hashtags. But I need right. someone who's going to show up for me when things really matter, when... Yeah. When I'm like being stopped by a cop, and you see something, you gonna you gonna pull over your car, you gonna stand there with me to make sure okay. that someone is watching Ain't what happens. Right, that's what a co-conspirator does. And I like mm-hmm. whenever they be like, "Oh, that's so sad. I hope they okay." And go right. about their hashtag <laughs> hashtag hashtag Black yeah. Lives Matter. Uh huh. And then yeah. be. and then be like, "Oh, I drove past that. We on the news. I drove past that, but I didn't do nothing." How come you on this platform talking about you drove past it? So yeah, so that's what I that's what I would say. It's my head hurt. They be ally, they be ally influencers. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Kendall Jenner with her um her Coke can. That, that Coke commercial. It was Pepsi, and right? That activism, that capitalist <laughs> activism I'm talking about. Um, yeah, Pepsi, cocaine, whatever. She I mean, I don't drink it. either, so it don't even matter. <laughs> we don't do soda over here. Not Except Canada Dry fun. Ginger Ale. Oh, there she go again. All right, so we're just going to move on to the next question while she comes back. Uh, so you identify as a non-binary sim, and what does that mean for you? Yeah, so... I get this question a lot and I always feel like I don't have a clear answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that for me, being non-binary is about like just being who I am. And so that could look like my presentation sometimes is more masculine. That could look like the way that I operate or move is more masculine or more feminine or neither or all of the above. Um, but I add the word femme to it because typically when people see me and how I present myself, especially on social media, I'm always wearing femme stuff, makeup, Mm -hmm. all that. But people who see me in my everyday life, 
I'm wearing a hat, you know, I'm bald, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm wearing hoodies, I'm wearing sweatpants, like I'm very comfortable. And um, so my mates, people might say that that's more of like a masculine energy, but like, but what I present to most people is very femme. So that's why I say the femme part, but non-binary is just like, for me, it's just, it's just being me. And I don't really know how to explain that in a way that people like truly understand, but it works mm -hmm. for me. It's what makes me feel most grounded in who I am. And so that's what I use. Mm -hmm. I, love that. I get that. Cause I don't mm -hmm. think I am the, the definition of like a typical woman. Like, I don't, I feel like right. I don't present myself as that way. I mean, like, yes, I am a woman, clearly feminine, but I, I feel how you feel sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And plus I have, um, I have PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome. And so mm -hmm. that like creates more testosterone in your body. And mm -hmm. so like, I'm, I'm hairy and I'm like, I'm okay with that. Um, I get hair on my chin sometimes. And like the ways in which we perceive gender to be like this very innate thing, but mm -hmm. I have a thing that I was given at, like diagnosed with and have had since I was younger, just right. like negates that as the truth. Um, so mm -hmm. like yeah. with all that, that makes me like lean into my non-binaryness even more. Yeah, and it's crazy because we really do all carry both <laughs> within us. We all have mm -hmm. the masculine and the feminine, like, yes. and I have my own theories about that, you know, when we talking about the ancient world and what people were, you know, looking like, but we all have that shit within us. So it's just like, mm -hmm. I get that 100%. Definitely. All right. What are a few great resources that you know of for people who want to have more information surrounding inclusivity and acceptance for queer Black folk and queer POC? Okay, so I'm gonna shameless plug I three. I love <laughs> so like in this like fashion of I three right now, we're really focusing on like workshop series and consulting. But like in the next you know year or so, the goal is to really create a resource hub, a space for queer folks in the workplace, and then having separate groups for like queer black folks in the workplace, um, you know, those intersection of people's identities and having like targeted groups there and how we can come together and support one another with resources, with jobs, with just like professional development trainings. Um, I would also say the movement for black lives is really um, about centering black folks in general of all identities. And so we have a teaching CI newsletter that I support with, and it has a buttload of information for people to be connected and to get resources that they need. Um, and then honestly, Instagram is, 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 I don't know how could we figure it out, but Instagram is really good for community building and um, for, for queer folks. And I think that a lot of times people, queer folks in general go on Instagram, find a person, and then that's like the gateway to all these other people who like look like them. Um, and people are really open to talking about themselves and um, engaging with other people. So I really urge people to like, DM folks, just talk to folks. If they ignore you, so what? At least you try, at least you put yourself out there. Um, and the next person will respond, you know? So like being consistent and um, 
you know, getting uncomfortable to find the resources that you need. And I will also tell people to look for resources that may not be labeled as like black queer specific because sometimes they don't they don't market to us, but I don't mean that you shouldn't get what you need. Um, and so taking what you need, even if it's not marketed towards you and that just being that and never having to go back to that, but taking what you need in that moment, I think is so important. Can you tell us about the Table Manners podcast and how the six of you came together? Yes. Okay. So first of all, a podcast with six people is a lot. It's a lot with scheduling, <laughs> a lot of opinions, but I love it. Um, the people on there are super great. So I had a homegirl, she's said my homegirl, who was like, hey, this this um, person I know wants to do this podcast and I think you would be great on it. And I was like, okay, say more. And so when she was telling me about it, I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. And so right now we're prepping for our second season and it's really just like, it's wild that the six of us vibe, even though we... Yeah, we're all black, but we all have different opinions, identities, experiences that make for a very like more expansive conversation. So we're getting into the intricacies of like how being black is really not a monolith at all. And yeah, we have a lot of commonalities, but if we break down like one certain thing and really go into depth about it, we can really see our differences um, and just Ooh. talking about those as well. And so that's how it came to be. We finished our season one and yeah, but now we're working to prep for season two and hopefully in 2022, we'll be having new episodes out, but you know, trying to nice. gather six people is, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. Schedules are crazy. Right. I'd be like, I'm us too. So I'd be stressing with myself. I'd be like, I, um, <laughs> So I'm married and I'd be like, Nisha, when you when you want to do something, we need to go out and do date nights. I will be having scheduled months in advance because <laughs> I'm telling you, I will I'll, I'll just be, it be too much going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Listen, at least you're trying to make it happen, child, because okay. it's crazy. I'm there. trying. Because me and Kira, how long we been saying we I gotta come to New York since what? Child. <laughs> Literally <laughs> since the summer, probably yes, maybe since spring, and it just has not been happening. You like, just gotta pick a day, yeah, and just pick a day. We be and trying, it might be great, and then stuff be coming up. You're like, oh, actually, I've been there, <laughs> I get that, yeah, I might not be able to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we and then with COVID, I never realized like how COVID the air was when I did not wear my mask mm. and my throat was feeling weird so i was like mm -hmm. oh yeah we keeping these masks on that was it mm. yeah very true no but that's facts you know, have y'all ever seen i don't know if you saw it tommy when you were still living here but sometimes like i'll look at the weather the weather app and it'll say that the air quality isn't all that great and i'm just like why are we out here living in this y'all <laughs> like, got us out here in this air um mm -hmm. but yeah let's let's get into the question so was there ever an instance where it was difficult to get through to someone during a training with the company? And if so, how did you navigate that? And if not, how would you attempt to figure that out? Yeah, so luckily I haven't. 
and I like <laughs> I'm not like one to shy away from difficult conversations, but I think the difference between a difficult conversation versus a conversation where people are just trying to start stuff, just like plain devil's advocate for no reason. Um, and it's not really going to help advance your thoughts or advance the group thoughts. That's what I have a problem with. Um, but I think the great thing about being in business for yourself is you pick and choose who you want to engage with. And for me, it's like you get about two chances and then I'd be like, OK, this ain't this ain't going to work out. I'm going to opt out. Um, but I wish you the best of luck um, because I think for I3, we want people who want to learn, you know. Um, or are just curious. We want those kind of people. But what we don't want is people who are just like, don't care at all, disrespectful, rude, and just yeah. say whatever comes to their throat. Um, and right. the second part around like, if that was to happen, what would I do to try to figure it out? I'm thinking about in a workshop setting, the first thing I do is like, I ask the group, I throw it back to the group like, did y'all did y'all that make y'all feel some type of way? Did, did everyone have the same energy shift that I just did? And then like taking a pause, um, and then after that pause, coming back and really leaning into the conversation about like where did that come from, and like investigating that and not um, tackling it, it on myself, but tackling it with the community um, or the organization that I'm with mm. because they know this person a hundred percent more than I do, and so. I feel like as an outsider, it's not my role to um, necessarily be like, you're wrong, da, 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 but like to be like, how can we have a collective conversation and come up with a collective strategy um, and some collective like norms together? So like this kind of behavior doesn't continue to happen. And my role is to facilitate that, but not to tell people necessarily what's right and what's wrong. So that's how I would attempt to work through something, a difficult thing that came up. So you're more of a guide. I like that. So <laughs> we, were you about to say something? Yeah, I was, because I'm be doing everything. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, <laughs> what I do not like is if I go to somewhere and someone is facilitating and they try to act like their ideas and their opinions is the only thing that matters in the space because that is 100% not true. I know when I go into an organization, I may be the only outwardly queer person, but or known queer person, but I know there are queer people in that space who may not want to speak up, who may not yeah. say nothing. And so they may speak up, but in a way that's not going to out themselves. But the people at an organization or people that I work with, they have the resources, but it's about having a facilitated conversation on how we can use those resources and make them sustainable for the organization um, is what I really come in to do. So yes, we recently attended a talk with Moya Bailey. Um, she coined the term misogynoir for those who do not know. Um, and she's also an author, um, but she discussed forms of activist capitalism. So what are your thoughts on activist capitalism's role in today's economic structure? All right, I'm going to ask y'all to explain this to me one more time. I didn't already forgot. I ain't shit. Okay, my bad. <laughs> so, okay, so, it's basically... Okay. You wanna, okay, um, we can both no, Um, It's basically when people are playing an activist role, but they're also playing into capitalism. So they're like 
promoting a rally to raise money for a cause, but it doesn't go to that cause. It goes to their pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people who are just posting stuff on social media, kind of like Sean King. He He's an actor. Mm-hmm. I don't like Sean King. Um, That's a great example. If you Trash. don't know about him, right, mm-hmm. if you don't know about him by now, then you need to do your research because mm-hmm. he is the definition of that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, here, you're next. I'm finished. Okay. Yeah. And it's also, um, I feel like a lot of companies are being like super performative in their activism as well. Mm-hmm. And they're of course making money off of it. They're like, you know what? The black dollar is, is kind of booming. So let's mm-hmm. pretend that we care about these these causes and, um, you know, they'll plaster Black Lives Matter all over their uh, mm-hmm. merchandise or they'll make billboards about things, but they're still not changing their policies and they're not like, really doing the work to help to benefit these communities they yeah, make it money okay. off our backs so. that makes sense thank y'all for that clarification mm-hmm. um i think that this is not anything new to our society um mm-hmm. because our society is 100 percent rooted in capitalism and it makes me think of during pride month what do you see every single organization do Put up their rainbow. Okay. Have a have a rainbow accessory. It's on the list of <laughs> right. They'd be like, put up the flag as soon as June 30th is over. Lower the flag. Like it's like <laughs> it's instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Instantaneous, I mean. And so when I when I think about these organizations, I also think about us as consumers. What can we do? When we know this is a thing, what what shifts do we need to make as consumers to not continue to put money in the pockets of these corporations who who exploit us? But that is so hard to do when a lot of these corporations own so many other even smaller corporations. And you find out, oh, this this uh, lens wipe thing that I bought is also owned by Pepsi, and you'd be like, dang, I can't win. And so it's like it's a a continuous cycle. And so I think the question for us is how do we create um, our own economic structure in which we're able to sustain ourselves as a community and so that we're not always going to these oftentimes white or white ex- exploitative organizations to get the goods and, and services that we need. Um, and so, and that's a challenge. And every time we try to build something up, you see white organizations coming in to be like, I'll buy it from you. And when that happens, I think a lot of times when you're not used to having large amounts of money, you're like, okay, I'm gonna take this opportunity because you then start to think about yourself and your immediate people instead of thinking about the larger collective. And so I think a question that was posed to me um, a while ago is what are you willing to give up for the collective? And a lot of us are not willing to give up much for the collective. And so until people are actually willing to give things up for the collective, we're going to continue to have this problem. Um, is what I believe. Well, that was our last question. Um, thank you so much. Of course. Like, this was amazing. Your answers were amazing. Um, and it was a beautiful conversation that I feel like a lot of people need to hear and tune into 
Um, where can people follow you? And uh, I mean, yeah. I know we got it scrolling at the bottom. But I know. I <laughs> love that. Love that. Um, so for I, all things I3, you can follow us at Connect with I3 on Instagram. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, um, which is um, Connect with I3 as well. And then if you want to follow me personally, my page is private. So <laughs> you can you can you can send me a request. But yeah, follow me on Instagram at Connect with I3. Well, thank you again for coming on. This was great. This is a great sure. episode back. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm really excited about what we have to come. Like, we have so many great people um, lined up, and mm -hmm. I just feel like every episode is just getting better and better. And it's just yeah. it's been super fun. So, thanks for Wonderful. tuning in, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.